Check out We Are Calvin football podcast in association with McAvoy's Super Value, Virginia. Real food, real people. Try Super Value's own range in store today. Quality products at one third the price of branded labels. McAvoy Super Value, Virginia. Supporting local. We are Cavan Podcast. Because Cavan's not just a place, it's a people. Very good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another edition of the McAvoy Super Value GA podcast brought to you by We Are Cavan. On today's show, we're going to hear from the Lorgan camp as they lost out in the Ulster minor um, A final at the weekend. We'll hear from Aideen Coyle, who is covering the game for us, and also the Lorgan manager, Neve Fitzsimons. We'll also hear later on from George Cartwright um, and the book that he released earlier on this year. Um, about a hundred years of of Kingspan Brefney or Brefney to Kingspan Brefney. Wonderful, wonderful stories there. So we'll hear an in depth interview with George as well. But before we get into all of that, delighted to be joined by the sports editor of the Anglo Celt, Paul Fitzpatrick, as the McKenna Cup draw has been made and uh, fixtures released. Um, so no sooner do we finish up with club last weekend and and not even fully finished up because Arv are still going. But the other county scene is back on. It's it's thirteen months of the year, as I describe it. It is, yeah, it is. It's a never ending season, Damien. And I'm looking forward to the to the county football to start again now. I think the interest is going to be really high. Obviously, with a new manager, um, and things have been tight lipped out of the camp. Nobody really seems to know who's on the panel, who's not. Uh, in fairness, they're they're keeping a very quiet house at the moment. So it's going to be really intriguing to see when it comes to this first McKenna Cup game. Who is actually on the panel? Who's on the field? You know, are all the experienced players there? Have some of them left? Um, there's rumours going around that maybe different players that have given it a good few years aren't going back in, but there's been no official confirmation of this. There's been no statements released, nothing like that. So uh, it, it's all adding to the intrigue and the interest. And I think there's going to be a big crowd at, at our first home game in this Mechanic Cup. Yeah, well, it's, it's against Derry in Kingspan, Brefney on Wednesday, the third of January. So, no sooner has the the New Year's um, resolution started, but we're we're straight into uh, an under lights game in Kingspan, Brefney, seven thirty p.m. Uh, then the second game for Cavan is the following Wednesday over in Park Esler, where we take on Down. Two spicy games for the simple reason that Mickey Hart has always put in a big emphasis on the McKenna Cup and you expect no different now that he's gone to to Derry um, and then Cavan obviously haven't been beaten by down in the Talchon Cup last year should be out for revenge in that one so it, it I, I think it's actually a really really good draw it is yeah it is it's two big tests there like Obviously, Raymond needs to get some early wins, as any manager does, club or county. You want to get some early wins, get buy-in. Um, you want to get buy-in from your own players and also from from the supporters. But I suppose uh, the the McKenna Cup does come with a health warning, and it, it's kind of been relegated to the status of just it's glorified challenge matches now. And I'll be saying that even if we go and win the, win it. And I'll be saying that if we lose in the first round, I think it's 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 just above a challenge match. It's it's sort of a public challenge match. At the same time, you know, there's a move to to shelve all these preseason competitions, but I like them, and I think the interest is there. I think people are do turn out in big numbers for these competitions, so it'll give it it'll it'll give us some indication. But we're going to have to just be wary now. And if some new player plays well and scores one three against Derry, like we're, we are going to have to to. Uh, Keep our powder dry on them because that's that's what you're that's what you're dealing with there. It, it like it's it's looks like the real thing, but it's not the real thing. But that said, it's better than nothing. Yeah, it's like a, it's <laughs> it's it's like all of those um, Gucci bags we see around around town. Half of them aren't the real thing. <laughs> They've come from come from a factory in China that doesn't, uh, doesn't carry the right labels. But yeah, you're right. It it is. 
And yet I, I know rightly we are going to get carried away with somebody who, sorry, I say we in, in the, in the greater sense of it that I that's will the, get carried that's away. That's the royal, the royal we. The royal we. That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> the royal we will get carried away with the excitement of a, of a new player or two, um, and how well they're doing in the mechanical. But, um, yeah, I think it's, I think, look, it's good to be looking forward to it. Um, Let's actually hear from uh, Connor Brady, who w- spoke with Sean McCaffrey at the launch um, up on Wednesday night gone by there up in Armagh. So. Now, did I say in the company here, Connor Brady of Calvin, and we're just at the draw, actually, the Bank of Ireland Dr. McKenna Cup competition. Just before maybe we look at the draw, Connor, looking forward to, to getting back into the, into the fold on the inter-county season. It's hard to believe. Back around to it again, and we're already doing these draws for the start of the 2024 season. Yeah, yeah, looking forward to going back. Um, finished up the club you like a couple of weeks off and then you're just mad to get back at it and back in the on the field so uh, yeah chatting away to the boys in the group and they're the same they're, they're ready to go and looking forward to the draw tonight and seeing the draw it's a tight group now so uh, look at it'll be a, a, a bone for the boys to chase now for the next month absolutely just maybe on the club firstly County champions, obviously, and then the disappointment of losing out to New Connell at last minute goal. I know you don't want to be reminded of it, but looking at the competition and how it progressed, I, I suppose there would be an extra element of disappointment. Maybe how far it could have went for you? Yeah, um, the week after or two weeks after when when New um, Connell went on and were narrowly beaten by Glenn in the last minute. Uh, look at it; it was in a way you could take things from it that you know maybe you're not that far away. In another way, it's it's a uh, it adds to the sickening feeling that you know if you were there, what would you done? So, ah, look at hopefully now we'll um, put ourselves in a position in the next few years to to progress further. Absolutely. In fairness, club football in Calvin definitely on the up. We've seen Ballyhays contesting and the disappointment of them losing out in an intermediate final. Arva winning the junior final, getting through the twin and final and an All-Ireland semi-final now to look forward to in the new year. That has to bode well from an inter-county panel perspective that and not all them players will come through, but that gives an opportunity for players to be up on a platform, to be up on a stage to be seen and possibly included into an inter-county panel. Yeah, and, and most of the games that... Even Arva's won this year. They've in Ulster. They've, they've dominated. They've really put teams away. And look, there's a lot of quality players in, in junior, intermediate, as well as senior. And um, the senior teams probably haven't done the county uh, uh, justice um, over the last couple of years. We haven't won a first round game in a couple of years. But we feel that th- th- our senior club championship is as as good as any around. That it's competitive, and there, there's any amount of teams that could that could, that could win it on the day. Absolutely. Looking forward then, as I noted, and getting back into the fold, I noted it to other players I was talking to, what's it like that first time when you have to grab the kit bag and head out to the training centre, or maybe the wind and the rain, and it's November, December time? I take it the thought of Championship and League, and even maybe Dr McKenna Cup in 2024 is always something to look forward to. Yeah, look, it, it's, a, it's a thought of putting on the jersey that, yeah. that gets you out the door, <laughs> but... Um, there's a there's a joy to putting in the work too and putting in the graft when you get back in the dressing room after after a tough training you know you have that good feeling and then um, the hard work will hopefully pay dividends come the mechanic cup come the league and come the championship absolutely new management in there as well and probably a little strange was the captain was the goalkeeper now taking over the role then as management as well how has that dynamic been working I suppose or has it simply just been maybe a moving on or a progression. It's a yeah, it's a, it's a progression. Um, Ray was obviously a, a big staple of the, the team and, and leadership in the last five years as he was captain with Mickey. Um, so it, it's a, it's been a, a smooth transition, yeah. and um, he's brought in a, a very strong backroom team. You know, there's um, Steve O'Neill and James Burke, or James Burke's back from last year, and Steve O'Neill is brought in, and you know, with Dermot Shorten and Aidan Fox, they're really um, really driving thing on, and it's, it's brought a freshness to the team too. I was just going to say that it probably brings a freshness and a change when, you, when you're working under maybe one manager for a period of time does it be a big dramatic change when someone comes in they're obviously going to come in with new ideas new thoughts and, and even maybe a new idea in the head as to who their team may be so I take it there's competition straight away to ensure that you're keeping yourself in the fold here to be getting a starting jersey or to at least be part of the starting panel Oh yeah there, there's, there's definitely more competition oh, well, there's definitely competition yeah. with the team and um, with the, with the refreshing of the team and young players coming in and some players coming back into the panel who maybe stepped away for a year or two, there's definitely a, a very strong panel there. And it's a, 
it's, a, it's looking good now. It's good comp- competition-wise coming into uh, the McKenna Cup. Absolutely. And then the McKenna Cup, the group draw the night. Down in Derry in there, so there'll, there'll be a trip away a somewhere, trip away so somewhere there will. Right, and obviously the home game. But again, when it comes to ultra competition, let it be in the Championship or indeed now in the McKenna Cup, games they're so ultra competitive it has to be and is one of the most competitive pre-season tournaments there is yeah it's a I think one of the boys mentioned there it's a great setup for the league you get them two good games in build it into the league it'll set you up really nicely coming to the first round and of course the league plays such a massive part now and I know you have moved up to Division 2 but it plays such a massive part in regards to Halton Cup or Championship in the latter part of the year then as well so momentum is key that if you can get that sort of win or two under your belt in the early months of January that it builds you nicely into February, March and further on Yeah definitely you only need as much momentum coming into the league as possible you can't, uh, you can't stutter the start of the league with the way it's set up so uh, and there's no easy games obviously Division 2 it's going to be very competitive so we're looking forward to, to getting these two McKenna Cup games initially and uh, hopefully get the ball rolling the year Thanks to Sean McCaffrey in Northern Sound for, for sharing that audio with us. Um, yeah, so Connor looking forward to it as well. Uh, looking forward to getting getting out onto the field. It doesn't take Connor long to to uh, to to refocus. You know, two weeks he says, and 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 I was raring to get back at it as well. So that's the sort of stuff you want. So, to yeah, Connor had had a a tough run of it there with injuries. Like he obviously went off injured early in the county final, and. Um, he he was carrying knocks and he he missed a lot of football over the course of the year. So he's he's going to be looking on a personal level, I'd say, and I'd just try and get a good run of fitness because I think he is a starter on the Cavan team. Okay. I think he, he he started the first round of the league last year. Um, he, when he's fit, he starts, and I think Cavan need him. Uh, so it's it's interesting that he was the player put up for this now. So like this is, I mean, we are we are we're like archaeologists here. And we're we're just sort of brushing off the door and and finding little pieces of crockery or something. Like <laughs> we're looking at it going, wait a minute, Conor Brady was sent to the McKenna Cup launch. Who's going to be what 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 does that mean? Does yeah, it? yeah. Does he, it... he he's obviously a big part of the plans. Anyway, he's been put out there as the public face of the team. We and also, if nothing else, we know he's on the panel. <laughs> yeah, you know because we it's all up and down. So, um, yeah, yeah it's inter- it's interesting. Now. It's just it's just. At this moment in time, uh, information is very scant. There's a lot of guesswork going on. Uh, I haven't been talking to anyone in the camp of late. So I suppose we're all winding down for Christmas as well. So after after next week, the focus is going to turn to the county team and we're going to be covering that right through until July. So I'm really looking forward to that. I love, I love covering the county team. I know we always say that the, the, the club championship is when, when we come alive, but uh, and that's true. But you know, the, the county... The same thing. Then, then I think sometimes, why do we do it to ourselves? I was saying this to you last week. You, know? you take this a lot, actually. I do take this a lot. Like, and I ask a couple. One lad says to me, "Hope we do it because of hope." But like, you know, it's it's a funny thing. The condition of the cabin supporter, and you know, and the condition of let's say you're, for example, if you're a Kenny Horland supporter or a supporter of any of the leading Horland counties, Limerick being the exception because they they had. The book came out of a Limerick Hall called Unlimited Heartbreak a few years ago before before they got this golden generation and and so on. But I do wonder sometimes about about why we we uh, do it to ourselves as Cavan supporters. But I think that I think the good day, uh, one day different as Malachy Clark described as the, the good day where where it comes together. It does make it all worth it. So we go and we go in search again of that big day this year. That's why that's why the supporters doing it. Okay, we're. We straddle the line between supporter and reporter, and that's that's a difficult spot to be in. But you know, you wouldn't swap it for anything either. Absolutely, absolutely. We we, we go. I I'd, I'd like to say, or I'd like people people probably think we go because we have to, but I think we're we're in the job because we love it, and that's mm. that's simply it. That's that's what we enjoy. So, um, yeah, looking looking forward to that. We will be bringing you on the Diehards podcast. Um, the all the reaction and all the news from convention, um, which took place in Killing Care last night on Thursday night gone by. So, uh, plenty to talk about in that as well. Uh, big takeaway, Damien. Say that again. The big takeaway from last night. The big takeaway, uh, for me is the is the the development work, um, and it's probably this the the the, the talk about the stand, um. 
eventually that 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 new development there. But again, in fairness, I think the big takeaway for me is that it is going to happen if it's going to happen after the pitches are done, and that's that's very very important for me. What's your big takeaway? My big takeaway in the broad sense is that the GA is absolutely awash with money at the moment. Awash with money. The GA is 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 ploughing through money on a scale that we've never seen before in the association. Yeah. Millions of euro. Ten like like for example, um the cost of preparing our teams went from eight hundred grand to nine hundred grand. There wasn't an eyebrow raised in the room last night. Nobody says, Hold on, another hundred thousand euro spent. It's just it's just accepted that money will be will be spent on these things. There was there was talk of tens of millions last night on on new stadium plans and, and the new um, regional sports hub that the county council are putting up, which is adjacent or sort of part of, of the Kingsman Breffney campus. Nobody asked anything. Nobody said anything. you actually were there as a league delegate and you asked a couple of questions, but otherwise the one question asked. Tumbleweed. There was one there was one question asked, I think, in the whole thing and that was where, where someone asked for clarification on when they might start the work on the stadium and uh, you know so that's right but that, that's that's just the way it is but it's it's the money end of it is it, it stunned me when I looked through it and I was like Jesus even since I started covering conventions 15 years ago um, you know it's it's mad I, look, I saw a story on the Longford Leader website this morning and saying Longford made a profit of 42,000 I don't know about the accounting ins and outs of it. Is there a difference between profit and surplus? But it seems that every county now uh, is able to return this surplus. Like Cavan returned a surplus of over 200 grand. Last year it was over 300 grand. Um, where did the 100 grand go up and down? In fairness, every figure was accounted for last night. Martin Cahill and Tom Moore went through the accounts with rigorously and very transparently. But it, we're dealing with huge sums of money here. Like Turnover is close to 3 million. Yeah, it's it's absolutely that's sixty grand a week turnover. Um, so you're getting near ten grand a day in and out. I know it doesn't work that way, but when you break it down and, and as an average across the year, so uh, the GA is absolutely a wash of money. And again, it's back to something we were talking about the other day on on the pod, like that the country is in a funny place in general. There's just trappings of the Celtic Tiger knocking around here. Money, money, good money going after bad, but at the same time, there's there's trappings of a recession and we're hearing some doomsayers and so on. So it's it's a really interesting time, I think, for for the country and, and for the association. And then like you had the JP money came in there yesterday as well, which which was a sort of a surreal a surreal thing um to happen on the morning. It just happened on the morning of our convention as it turned out and I'd say in a few other conventions as well that were on last night. But uh you know it's a it's literally a surreal development. This, that, that someone has decided to just give each county board a million euro. Uh, incredible generosity. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Two things, sorry, on, on, on it. The JP money, I, and again, the, the, I, I didn't get the sense last night that the money was going to be divided up by into the clubs. I thought it was going to be divided up into the association, so LGFA, Camogie, and, and the GA. Um, but it seems online that, that all of the information is that it's then going to be divided up into the clubs. So if you then break that down, it'll 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 turn into less than ten grand a club in Cavan if if that's the way it ends up. Now again, no, it's, 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 yeah, but sorry, with ladies' clubs and everything coming into it, and it, yeah, well, Frank Roach had a piece in the Independent where he said it could cause more hassle than than anything because you know you, you will there will be. Uh, hard cases in this now there'll be clubs who maybe have recently let's say I don't know could Hill for example they're under the one club umbrella and their hoarders and footballers are the one club yeah Mulhorn hoarders and footballers are two separate clubs yeah uh, you know what happens there do you get punished then for, for bringing in bringing all the clubs which is what, as <clears throat> is the model that the association is aiming for but mm. do you miss out on on you know five figures here that's, that's an interesting one I think uh, but look it's they're good problems to have, and what I, I'm loving it. I'm loving the reaction on Twitter of uh, of some of these people who are saying, you know, why doesn't he go and pay his taxes? A few politicians have taken the opportunity. I saw one politician, and she was like, I know who the real heroes are. They're out paying for petrol and bringing, driving their kids to to training, and it was just the, the, the comment was just so stupid that 
I, I considered replying to her and I was like, no, why would you engage in that? But I, I, I'm, I'm in loving it and I'm loving the, the shrill outrage of some of these people, um, especially the non-GA people. He needs to pay his taxes. He, he's, he's a smart man and he's resident outside the country for over half the year. And if he's not, I'm sure, I'm sure the revenue would be clamping down on that. So I, I say fair play to him. He's and, on employment and, you know, within all of that, there, there's a huge amount of money that he is paying in taxes, just different types of taxes. Well, also, like, we know that the NGOs in Ireland are, are accounted for billions a year. And we know the bureaucracy that's there in, in all state bodies. Like, look at the HSE and so on. Like, everyone knows that, even people who work in the HSE, that there's there's so much inefficiency and bureaucracy. And, you know, if that money was, was given straight to the government, how much we would make it to the grassroots? There'd be, it'd have to go through so many levels and, and there'd be so much shite involved. I think the way he has done it is indicative of the man that he, he's a singular individual and he's a self-made man and he, he, he does the thing his way. I, I, I think as a GA man, it's, uh, it's, it's an amazing gesture that he has given. I mean, we need to figure out a way that the handball clubs can get some of us. That's the, that's the most important thing. It's part of the GA clubs, isn't it? Well, it is. That's, a, that's an interesting one. Yeah. Um, the other, sorry, the other take back that I, I, I will take again from convention is, as you said, all of the, all of the comments, all of the, all of the different points within convention that, that something could have been commented on. Delegates don't give a damn. They, they just sit there. It was like, it was like they were witnessing the largest or the longest presentation that they'll have ever seen. Um, without having any sort of engagement in it, and that's that's something we'll delve into that next week because we're, we're, we're completely out of time here. But I do think that 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 is my biggest takeaway from it is that there is no engagement, there is no desire for the clubs to engage in what happens at county board level. Um, and it's, it's yeah, there seems not to be there seems not to be like there's an apathy there. Shalim McCabe said it, and he he intended. I'd say he's attended more county board meetings than 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 most. In this county, going back to the nineteen seventies as a delegate and then as a as secretary and then as full time secretary, he said there's an apathy and, and county board officers would like more questions on the floor and more engagement, but that's just the culture that's there. Um I'd be more concerned and you actually brought it up at the meeting, um, some of the bad numbers, the poor numbers that, that showed up at um coaching courses and things like that. But look, we get into all that next week. We will, we will indeed. Okay, let's jump over to uh chat with Aideen. Aidan Coyle about the uh, Lorgan Miners losing out in that Ulster final. So delighted to be joined by Aidan Coyle um, to look back over Lorgan Miners defeat in the Ulster final um, to carry Duff from down on Sunday afternoon last. I suppose coming in as Ulster champions, they were always going to face a, a stubborn and, and motivated side and carry Duff looked like they'd just done the right things at the right time to get over the line. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose from talking to people after the game, you know, all eyes were on Lorgan going into the final and carried off just came in underneath the radar. And I think sometimes that suits teams. It probably was the flip thing of what Lorgan were last year. Carrick Moore were the favourites going into the final looking to retain their title. Lorgan came in out of nowhere and swooped it from them. And like I'm talking to carried off people on Sunday, you know, that suited them. They They were loving that coming in where nobody, no eyes were on them. On the other side of that, the talk was about Lorgan and how prolific they were up front and how many goals they were getting and the forwards to watch out for. And Carrie Duff had the homework done. They got numbers behind the ball. And, and I know Neve Daly alludes to it in her interview. They got 13, 12, 13 players behind the ball. When they won the ball and overturned it, they broke at speed. They didn't create probably half the chances Lorgan did. But when they created chances, they were very, very clinical in attack. So, you know, on the day they had their homework done and the game plan executed perfectly. And on another day, you know, Lorgan had the chances there to win it, but they just couldn't break down a, a really, really well drilled and a, a good carried offside. In, in fairness, when they when they did turn over the ball, they broke at speed. But you know, it's a heartbreaking defeat for Lorgan because I think like, I don't think many people had argued that they were the better team and they created the most chances on the day, but just unfortunately couldn't get the ball over or under the bar. It I suppose it it, it shows the value of uh of, of tactics 
you know, Gary Duff really got their tactics right, counter-attack with, with a mass defence, crowd out the scoring zone, as you said there. And, and you know, you, you can prepare for that, but until you face it, it's very, very hard to replicate that in a training session. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, Neve again said it, that they knew that that was what's going to come. Any team that were going to play Lorgan going into the game, they had scored uh, 12 goals and 23 points. So you knew they were scoring well and any team that was ever going to beat them was going to put a blanket defence. And, you know, you can work on it in training, but actually doing it in a game and overcoming it in the game is, is a completely different story. And, um, yeah, Lorgan were, were just unfortunate that carried off it it just worked perfectly for them their first attack in the game was in the 10th minute they attacked and they created a, a scoring opportunity from that they got a penalty um, and you know they probably only had one more attack maybe two more attacks in the half and ended up going in at half time level at the start of the second half they were given a second penalty I thought it was a really harsh decision I, I was standing about you know, I was standing on the 20 metre line at where it happened in them goals and I, I don't know how the referee actually did award it a penalty, but, you know, looking at the game, it, it didn't, it's not what bet Lorgan either, but, um, you know, that rocked them after half time. They were three points down and trying to close close that game and, you know, they probably didn't get the rub of the green in terms of little decisions like that, but, um, look, it, it's football and things like that happens, but, um, yeah, mm. look, a frustrating day for them because they had, they had the opportunities, but as I said, you know, carried off just just closed them down. There was a, a bit of a, a worry with Emma Tolan going into the game, but she uh, she came through it okay. Yeah, yeah. Look, the two injuries, Emma Tolan and obviously Sinead Kelly went off in the semi final and didn't train in the build up to the final. But you wouldn't if you had if you hadn't known they were injured, you know, you wouldn't have picked them out because they were exceptional. They never stopped. The two of them, Sinead, actually did end up going off towards the end of the game but with a cramp. But the two of them were real leaders. You know, Emma in the forward line, she drove at the carried off defence. She couldn't have done any any more. You know, when she got the ball, she she kept driving and kept driving. And, you know, I think she was strapped up very heavily on her ankle. And to put in the performance that she did is, is a real testament to the player that she is, as, as well as Sinead Kelly. But, like, did loads of leaders. You know, Cora McDonnell in the full back line, again, was outstanding. Um, you know, the wing back, Sydney Gregg and Katie Noble, particularly in the first half, really drove forward. Um, but yeah, look, it's, it's one of those days. It, it didn't help in the preparations going in, knowing that two of them girls were injured and weren't training. And, you know, little things like that psychologically in the build up to a big game like an Ulster final can have its bearing on a game as, or on a team as well. Mm, can do. Well, look, let's hear from the Lorgan manager, Neve Fitzsimons Daly. Joined by the Lorgan minor manager, Neve Daly, after a heartbreaking uh, game here in Otter, Neve, um, have you time to gather your thoughts there? It was, it was a disappointing day. You, you played well, just at times, just couldn't get the ball over the bar or under the bar. Yeah, exactly. Look, we knew uh, coming into this game, and any team that beats Clon Aaron is going to be a hell of a team. Um, I suppose we've been preparing the last two weeks. We kind of knew that they'd come out and play very defensive considering we've been scoring a lot of goals in games we'd said that to the girls but look it just didn't register in the first half we still probably tried to overcook the ball we probably tried to take too many uh, goal opportunities instead of just getting the scoreboard ticking early on um, and I suppose in the end like it cost us they, they got two scores two goals and penalties and then another kind of fluky goal enough near the end um, but look it's hard it's hard to play against a team that's 13, 14 players kind of behind the ball at all times not really the style of football that we kind of would be used to playing. Um, but yeah, look, it's extremely disappointing. We probably didn't perform up to our, our level on the day and yeah, we're gutted. Yeah, I suppose that this disappointing thing. You, you didn't perform as you have throughout the Ulster Championship. As you said, you didn't get scores. And coming into the game, you had a few girls carrying knocks as well. Um, that had to have taken a bit of a toll during the week as well. Yeah, I know exactly. Even like, you know, psychologically for the rest of the panel, it was tough. Do you know, two of our main girls, Sinead Kelly, hasn't trained since... Uh, the last day and Emma Tolan picked up a serious um, injury there last Monday in a school basketball game but look these girls are leaders all over the field and they're the two girls that didn't give up like you know Emma Tolan was still driving on at the end she got dead leg early in the first half as well and she is strapped up like I don't know how she's able to play out there her ankle is literally taped together and to put in a performance the way she did it's just phenomenal like it just shows the character of that girl um, but look our 
We didn't have enough girls to step up today, I suppose. Um, our heads probably dropped a little bit when they went ahead of us, and that's something that maybe we can't do. Do you know you have to be continuously driving on in the game? But look, some of our girls were outstanding, like Cormac McDonald full back. Like I don't know if that girl ever plays bad. Like do you know you have midfielders there, Evan Quiva who never give up, and you have Emma there in the, in, on the forty. Like do you know, dear girls that are going to be around lurking for a long time and are going to lead by example into the future, and we want we want them to keep playing and pushing on. But look, we're extremely proud of them. It was a brilliant journey to be part of. Um, to get back to back Ulster final appearances was massive unfortunately we didn't get over the line but look we can't we can't really blame anybody but ourselves we just didn't click on the day we didn't get the scores needed to, to win the game and you know a few decisions probably didn't go our way um, I didn't really see the second penalty but I thought we had possession of the ball at the time I thought that was pretty soft um, just before that Shannon was after being fouled in on our you know, in around the 13 metre line, going down for a ball, shouldered in the back. You know, it should have should have been a free in, really, in my opinion. Uh, another ball up here, Ava Hayes went down, and he gave a free against her. He said he she pulled it in and picked it up off the ground, but she didn't. Like you know, so these things all go against you. So look, a few refereeing decisions, but at the end of the day, that didn't lose the game for us. We we lost ourselves, and yeah, onwards and upwards. We have a league final to look forward to next Sunday, and hopefully the girls can regroup, and you know, we'll go and prepare for that. I suppose when you look back on it, though, two years. Two Cavan titles, two Ulster finals, one Ulster title. It, it it's not a bad run, and yet you can sense the disappointment. Yeah, absolutely, and that's what you know. I was saying to some of the players and that afterwards. It's not now that they look back and realize what they've done, but it might be a few months or even a few years down the line that they'll reflect on. It's been a remarkable run, and I don't think any well, definitely in the minor competition, no Cavan team has done it where they've got back to back Ulster finals, and it may not ever be done that easily again and so look I think they should be hugely proud of what they've done they've been incredible they've been great ambassadors not just for the club but for the county and as you said in being back-to-back county champions alone is a massive achievement but to get back-to-back Ulster finals as well um, and win one Ulster club title they're only the second club in, in Cavan to do that at minor level as well so it's been incredible and you know they're a really really good group of girls I've been you know like privileged enough to be able to follow their journey the last few years and they've just been so humble in, in everything they've done they've a really nice club to work with as well but um, yeah look they're, they're fantastic and as I said I don't think they realise now um, just how special and, and remarkable what they've done has been and the thing will be now can they go three in a row can they reclaim their county title next year and, and get back into that Ulster uh, Championship as well I know everyone in Cavan will, will want to obviously strip them off their title but to mount to them girls that are still underage next year they're going to be a tough team to beat again yeah definitely so and you know it's sometimes sometimes it's and a lot of the time it's the success that that pushes you on to believe that you're good enough to achieve for the success but then it's the failures that that keep the motivation high that that keep the work ethic right and this team has both success and failure all over the last couple of years so um it's it's a it's a great foundation of learning for these girls and and I think it can only enhance them if they use it correctly over mm-hmm. the next few years so um we look look forward to following that path Aiden thanks a million thanks Damien Brady's Arva Limited main dealers for Volkswagen cars and commercial vehicles have been serving the needs of the motoring community in Cavan, Longford, Leitrim, Monaghan, Mead and the surrounding counties for over 50 years. A family-owned and family-run business, Brady's are famous for their long association with the GAA. If you're looking for a new or used car or commercial vehicle, check out Brady's Arva Limited. They provide an unrivaled sales and after-sales service and are open six days a week. Brady's Arva Limited. Get on the winning team today. See www.bradysarva.ie for more details. So delighted to be joined by George Cartwright. Um, after he's written his latest book, George, thanks William for coming in and, and joining us. You're welcome, um, Damien. Breffney Park to Kingspan Breffney. Tell us how, how you came about to write the book first and foremost. Yeah, well, I suppose uh, Breffney, we knew, was going to be 100 years old in 2023. <clears throat> and I heard a t- little bit of talk about it during 2022. And uh, Susan Brady asked me, actually, our, our PRO in Cavan GA asked me one day, would I do something for it? And I said, gosh, Susan, now look, at uh, time is short and I haven't uh, even thought about it. But I suppose I began to think about it and I said to myself, 
Well, I have done little bits here and there before for Breffney Park. And I said, it's something that should be uh, recorded. It mm-hmm. should be written. And I intend to do a little booklet or something like that. But once I got into it, it got bigger than I had anticipated. And I spent longer at it than I had anticipated. And yet it was a rush to get it out. But that's basically where it came. Once I got into it, it kept going. And uh, we got it out in time for for the centenary. And did you enjoy the, the process once you got into it and started revealing ah, the yeah, stories? Well, yeah, I enjoyed the process, Damien. I wouldn't do it unless I did. But obviously it was very time consuming and uh, there's a lot of work in doing it and certainly a lot of work in trying to get it uh, to the production line and out yeah. and all that type of thing. But I think like that there was a good bit of stuff in it that would be lost if we, you know, as we move into another centenary, another hundred years. And um, <clears throat> there's a lot of old stuff in it that it was nice to record it for the present generation and indeed for future generations. Yeah, important, important. Yeah, and, and the story and, is there. And the story of it and how how it's evolved in those hundred years, <clears throat> it's unrecognisable to what it was when it was conceived in, in 1923 or, or, or opened in 1923. Uh, absolutely, Damien. I mean, in, in when you think about it, in November 1922, all there was there was a couple of fields and mm. six months later, there was actually a, a playing field. Um, it it was a remarkable achievement at the time because Ireland had just come out of the throes of the Civil War mm. and uh, it had been raging. The War of Independence before that, fundraising was impossible, political differences on both sides. But they were able to park their political differences and work together for the betterment of the GA and Cavan. And Cavan had used, Cavan GAA had used the showgrounds for <clears throat> years, for 20 years prior to that. And the showgrounds would be known popularly now to the younger generation, the present generation as Terry Kyle Park. Mm. Now that was the headquarters of Cavan GAA for about 20 years. And the amount of games that were played there, a lot of games, there was um, Ulster What's final actually yeah. played there. Most of our county championship finals were played there. Of course, it was beside the, the train station, which obviously made transport to it at the time uh, very suitable and very uh, common. It was used a lot to get to, get to the games. and uh, But it soon became apparent to those involved in the GEA that if Cavan really were to win in All-Ireland, they needed to be playing football on a full-size field. Showgrounds was small. It was uh, very suitable for club championship finals. It was suitable for a lot of Cavan's games. And indeed, they were successful in Ulster most of the time in the 1910s, we're talking about. But when they went to Crow Park, or Navin, indeed, where some of the All-Ireland semi-finals were being played. Yeah. They were trounced. They were trounced in particular one year by Kildare and they were trounced another year by uh, Kerry. And to, to, in fairness to the administrators of the time, they began to look for a ground of their own. Now, obviously, at the time as well, the showgrounds was shared with Cavan Slashers. It was owned by the Cavan Agricultural Society or the Show Society, as they're called, and it had to be leased each year from them. And there was other events on that the Show Society put on as well. So it wasn't their own. Cavan GA were tenants there. So they had the foresight to seek out suitable fields and they did and the two fields they came up with well they bought three in fact in the townland of Creighton and uh, they sold one of them they bought three of them the man who owned it lived in Australia that was another day's work or more <laughs> getting getting uh, buying it but look at eventually it was bought the field was developed turned around in six months which was a huge achievement and officially opened on the 22nd of July 1923 and it was I mean it was a, a fantastic occasion for Cavan GEA and a great tribute to the officers at the time the men who were involved and uh, it was the first grounds owned by a county committee 
And once it was opened, it, it was great. Like it was, it soon became known as the Crow Park of the North and yeah. hosted a lot of very important games and so on. So it, it, it's, it's a good story at that time. It's a great story in, in two different ways for me. The, the coming together of rivals maybe to, to make it happen, yes. which, which you document really well. But the, the, the identifying of the necessity of a full-size pitch, a pitch the size of Park Tolchin or Crow Park, because the on-field matters were most important. Ah, absolutely, Damien. Absolutely. That was great. And uh, you see, Cavan, uh, they found that they were beaten for speed and stamina in Crow Park. Yeah. Their kicks fell short, uh, etc. And the dream was, obviously which every county should have to win in All-Ireland. Yeah. And that was a dream of the administrators. And they knew that they weren't that far away, but they couldn't get over the All-Ireland semi-final or the All-Ireland final hurdle. But it took 10 years. But oh, what foresight? Yeah. I mean, what, what about Absolutely. a dream coming true? Uh, 10 years later, Cavan beat uh, Kerry in the All-Ireland semi-final in Breffley Park and beat Galway in the All-Ireland final. And that heralded in an era of great success over the next 25, 30 years, mm. uh, where Cavan were among the top few couple of teams in the country. Yeah, it, it, it was. And, and that's, that's the part for me that I, uh, when I read it, that really struck a chord was that the administrators within Cavan G at that stage, they were, they were very focused on, right, well, what does it take for us to go to the next level? How do we get the on field better? And it led to the richest vein of history that we have in our in our Cavan GA oh, history. absolutely. They were very ambitious and yeah. as you said, it did lead on to uh, great success. Yeah. It really did. Now, as I said, uh, Breffley Park became known as the Crow Park of the North because there was nothing like it in the top half of the country and it was the go-to place for fixtures. Yeah. A lot of Ulster finals were played there. There were three All-Ireland semi-finals played there. When you think about it now, it's yeah. fascinating. But in 1928, Cavan played a Sligo in the All-Ireland semi-final in Breffney Park and won. And Cavan qualified for the, to the, for the All-Ireland final for the first time and were rather unlucky to lose out to Kildare. First time Sam mm. Maguire was presented. In 1931, Cavan played Kildare in an All-Ireland semi-final in Breffney Park. And after a very close game where Cavan played well, they were beaten. And there wasn't too much despondency there because they realised that we're very near it. Yeah. And in 1933 then, uh, in my opinion, the, the greatest game ever played in Breffney Park, not the greatest game, but the most important game, yeah. uh, when Kerry came, going for five in a row, hadn't been beaten in the All-Ireland Championship since 1928, had won 11 All-Irelands at that time. Imagine it. Yeah. 1933, 11 All-Irelands won Kerry. And uh, <clears throat> they were looked as unbeatable coming up to play Cavan in an All-Ireland semi-final. Cavan that they always could beat. So <clears throat> it was a wonderful occasion and it gave the county board and the men involved at the time the opportunity to do great work, to de add developments to the field, to the infrastructure around it, to the, the, the mounds, as in the embankments, so on and so forth. And they brought in seating for the day and they knew they were going to have a great crowd. Uh, perhaps the biggest crowd they anticipated would arrive that had been at any game ever before in Ulster. And that's exactly the way it turned out. Kerry were so confident. The Kerry man, the newspaper, who, who you know, like the Anglo-Celt, covered Kerry's games extensively. Naturally enough, if you're winning All-Ireland so often, why not? The Kerry man, the Kerry paper, uh, in the preview of the game, they said a lot of things, but one thing they said stood out. They said, we all have had great teams, but we never had better than this. <sighs> it was yeah. a confident speak heading yeah. up to Breffney Park. And on the day of the game, when uh, Cavan people woke up, it was absolutely team and rain, lash and rain. So what's new? 28th yeah. of August, <laughs> uh, a downpour. And uh, I'm sure people were disappointed. But wise men, wise men said, uh, not to worry, a wet day, a wet ball, it's a leveller. Who knows? Kerry just might not be as effective. And that's exactly how it turned out. Uh, it wasn't a game for the purists. 
If we had it <laughs> nowadays, we'd be given out about the blanket defence, etc., etc. The final score was one five to five pints. Yeah. So you can take it that backs were on top. <laughs> yeah. And that's particularly true. The Cavan backs in the first half were on top. Uh, the forwards didn't get their first point until 20 minutes in the game. So I suppose in, yeah. in many ways, that type of blanket defence is new. <laughs> it uh, wasn't invented. It wasn't, it wasn't invented, <laughs> but it wasn't uncommon then as well. Yeah. Maybe that was down to the inaccuracy of the forwards. I don't think so, though, because Cavan are good forwards too. <clears throat> but they got their first point after 20 minutes. Kerry were rampant. Uh, Kerry looked like they were just going to annihilate Cavan. Uh, Willie Young from uh, Cornifane, who was a famous Cavan goalkeeper, uh, kept them at bay single-handedly in the first half. And uh, to make a long story short... Uh, the, as the game proceeded in the second half, scores were at a premium and uh, Cavan got a MJ, Sonny McGee, as he's well known as, kicked a couple of frees. And next it was, what, 4-3, four, 4 three, four all. And uh, next it, it was 5-all. Uh, five, five and, uh, oh, look at, um, <clears throat> I suppose what happened then is... You know, it's just so significant, so historic. Uh, Vincent McGovern from Virginia <clears throat> boxed the ball to the net. Kevin worked the ball up the field. The game was literally over and uh, it was full time and he boxed the ball into the net. And of course, the crowd erupted. And uh, when the ball was kicked out, Kerry did make one more attack, but they were unsuccessful. And the final whistle went. And of course, the Cavan crowd had beaten Kerry in an All Ireland semi final. Yeah. Couldn't believe it. Uh, it was it was dramatic stuff. They they, they all busted out in the field as you can imagine. <laughs> Helton safety <laughs> stewarding wasn't what it is, it is yeah. now, and the Cavan players were lifted shoulder high around the place, and sure celebrations went on. The only problem was, I suppose, for the management uh, bringing them down to earth the players. To, to get them ready for an All-Ireland final. Because yeah. I suppose once they had beaten Kerry, I think the supporters felt they had won it, but they had to they had to go the extra step as well. And they did. Three, they, lucky enough, they had three weeks. Three weeks later, they beat Galway in the All-Ireland final in Crow Park by 2-5 to 1-4. To and a uh, famous man that played that day, big Tom O'Reilly, uh, he was playing in the middle of the field. He was only 18 years of age. He, he told me many years later, uh, I was talking, interviewing, talking to him different times, but he told me many, many years later, once we beat Kerry, he said, the monkey was off our back. We felt we could beat anybody. We'd got the injection of confidence. And that, uh, that in many ways was the catalyst for the very successful run over the next 25, 30 years. Mm. Uh, if that game, if that game hadn't to go Cavan's way, who knows? You know, who knows when yeah. that breakthrough would have come true? So I suppose I, I often say that as regards Breffney Park and the history of Breffney Park, that goal wasn't the most spectacular goal, but it certainly was the most important because Cavan had actually beaten Kerry. Yeah, and and it actually brings it back to and, and a relatively quick turnaround in success but that that decision to buy the land in Cavan Town and have her own pitch would would Cavan have beaten Kerry in a neutral ground or or in Tartalchen or wherever it might have been if that decision hadn't been made it shows the importance of the administrators oh, their role yeah. and uh, absolutely Damien and also of course Cavan had played two All-Ireland semi-finals there previously yeah. and you know it's just the way the draw was like Cavan went to Tralee in 1926 uh, five, six, and were beaten by a point and were rot. It was a 26. One of those years. Yeah. You know, I had to get mixed up with the whole lot. 20, 26, I think, or 20, 20, 20, one of those years. So that once then the fixture was for, uh, it was Cavan's turn to host. That's the way they often had it at the time. Yeah. But Cavan, they came short uh, in Tralee by a point and... Um, course the like the cabin people afterwards the the referee there was a few hometown decisions <laughs> and all the rest but anyway uh, i suppose yes. it was all worthwhile then in 33 yeah and at that stage the, the pitch was running the opposite way 
Yeah, well, it was running, I suppose, oh, we call it east east to west. Yeah. So yeah. from what what is currently the covered stand over towards the, the Park Lane yes, uh, side. Yes, but, so. but the, the, the Balignac side, it was at the Balignac end. It was, Further it was down to the right towards of the, the river. It, it was to, yes, it was to the right of the stand uh, and... And the park lane, it was to the right, you know, it lay yeah. in, in that way. And then in course, over the years, there was different developments added, you see, and uh, extra work done by different different committees and different officers right up on to the present, which yeah. is ongoing. But in 19, in the late 40s, they bought land from a Gaffney man uh, who had land, Gaffney's Fields, they were known as, and that would be where the present field is right on up for the hill the 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 northern terrace and right on up to the entrance at the road like that area there was seven and a half acres bought there okay and it the land was developed and uh eventually uh and reopened uh in 1952 the 8th of june 1952 kerry were invited up for the official opening, opening. And uh, there was uh, a great crowd again, absolutely a great crowd, uh, a doubleheader game and Cavan played Kerry in one of the games. And of course, uh, you know, it was OK, a challenge, but there was a good bit of pride at stake. Kerry, of course, always had a close link, obviously, with Cavan come back to 33, come back to the 20s, and of course, 47 in New York. Uh, they were great rivals, but they were great friends. And at county board level, there was all this, even right to the present day, there's a sort of a respect uh, in Kerry for Cavan. Yeah. And that still manifests itself. But on that day, that was another big day in the history of Breffney Park. Uh, I know it was a challenge, but Cavan were, I suppose, what we call nowadays, they were pathetic. Uh, <laughs> Kerry won the game. I know it was only a challenge. Won seven to five pints. Oh dear, the Cavan people were, they were shaking their heads. They really were. Where were we going? Terrible, <laughs> terrible, terrible. The worst ever. The worst, the worst ever. ever. The worst <laughs> yeah. ever. The worst ever. And so on, so forth. And Damien, three months what? later, Cavan were crowned all Ireland. Yeah. Three four, we'll say, all Ireland champions. So look at anything can happen in sport. Uh, anything can happen in a two horse race and anything can happen so I mean that was a great story too uh, are there are there any other massive occasions that that, that you'd like to bring up on it because I know yeah. it, it's, the book is filled with them <clears throat> yeah well I, I, something that stands out uh, for me is is the Ulster final of 1963 unfortunately it was the last Ulster final played in Breffney Park and <clears throat> on that day <clears throat> down played Donegal now, Donegal were a new team. Uh, Donegal had never contested an Ulster final before. Yeah. So they beat Cavan in the, in the semi-final in a shock result. Uh, Cavan were expected to win it and win it handsomely. But this Derry, uh, Donegal team came from nowhere and uh, beat Cavan to qualify to meet Down, who had certainly forged out a great reputation, <laughs> having won two All-Irelands. So there was a great, it was a great occasion. And as happened before all big games, Cavan County Board, the officers did a lot of work on development, uh, increasing, uh, you know, capacity, entrances, so on and so forth. Great opportunity to do development. But the, the game itself, there was a silver lining in it for Cavan, even though they were beaten in the Ulster semi-final, the game was fixed for Breffney Park. And... Uh, a large crowd was expected. But what happened on the day was unprecedented. Uh, the biggest crowd ever to attend a game in Cavan, in my opinion. The official attendance was given as 35,000. But wise men would say there was well over 60. Uh, there was over 60 around. Wow. There was some never even got up. There was 5,000 uh, allegedly came as far as the town and stayed there. Couldn't be bothered. Uh, it was the hottest day of the year too. And uh, the, 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 the pubs, the, the restaurants, the shops, ice cream, minerals, they were all sold out very early on. 
and the stories of the heat, uh, this tar bubbling up in the roads and the <laughs> pedestrians or the supporters going to the game and uh, men getting their shoes stuck in the tar and ah, oh, look, at there's a litany Brilliant. of stories about it. Uh, what the Ulster Council and the organisers didn't uh, anticipate such a crowd from Cavan when would go to it. Donegal, uh, everybody seemed to go from Donegal yeah. to it. Why not your first time in an Ulster final and having beaten Cavan, perhaps we could win this Ulster final and wouldn't it be a great occasion to be there? Yeah. And of course, Down had the traditional support. But I'd say uh, at least uh, one third of the crowd were from Cavan. So we say one third Down, maybe one third Donegal, but one third Cavan. And that helped to swell the crowd. And like often happens in the build-up to a, a game like that. It was a terrible game. Ah, oh, it was just a terrible game. Uh, down swamped Donegal. Donegal really, as someone said, got stage fright. But uh, scarce when you, you look back and, and look at the records, the Anglo-Celt and indeed the county board in the lead-up to the game were saying, don't worry if you don't get into the game. You, there's lots of place on the hills around. You can you can go around on the hills in in um, yeah. in, in uh, at the back of the, the goals and so on and so forth and on the side. Anywhere you want, you know, there's no problem. Like, there'll be, you, you'll be allowed you in see. there. Like, And yeah. that's what a lot of the people did. But there's a great story told. Uh, <laughs> Jim McCurry out in Butler's Bridge told me about it. Uh, it was a farmer, John Nulty, owned the field at the back uh, of on the hills at the back of Breffley Park and he had spent the week beforehand building Coxa Hay and of course the crowd <laughs> the crowd uh, the, the hills actually had to accommodate some of the crowd and because they couldn't get in around the pitch and the game was boring and quite poor so the crowd anyway, I don't know the young lads or whatever else but they climbed up in the hay maybe initially to get a better view of the game but as the game uh, deteriorated and down were winning so easily and it was a poor game, little response from Donegal. Uh, I suppose there was uh, fights and all the rest with youngsters on the hills and the whole hay was scattered to the four, <laughs> four corners when they were leaving anyway. Not a nice, not a nice uh, memory for the farmer, but no. anyway, it's one of the stories around. Yeah. And of course then getting out from Breffney Park getting out from Cavan Town that day, uh, the criticism and the recriminations afterwards, and uh, oh look at it, it's it's all great stuff, you know. But that was the last Ulster final in 1963. But I reckon that's the biggest crowd ever attended a game in Breffney Park, and unlikely uh, to ever be. Oh, never. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you see what the health and safety yeah. now would deem uh, no never it, would, it wouldn't it wouldn't allow another it big to. game in Breffley Park Damien as well of course was the the Railway Cup final of 1983 as you know the Railway Cup in the past was a very prestigious competition uh, people didn't have the opportunity to see so much football matches on television and see all these stars uh, they heard their names on the radio so to go to see a, a Railway Cup final or indeed a Railway Cup semi-final there was a lot of Railway Cup semi-finals in Cavan but to see a Railway Cup final was a huge occasion yeah. and that that day in March uh, uh, 1983 <coughs> Ulster played uh, Connacht sorry Ulster played Leinster in the 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 uh, football and uh, Ulster played oh, sorry Con was it oh whoever the hurling final was that day as well uh, double header of it the double header and uh, that was the only Railway Cup final ever played and it was a nice occasion because two of Cavan's best known players of the era Jim Riley and Paddy McNamee played that day. Jim played the whole game wing half back and Paddy came on at a vital stage in the second half. Both made a huge contribution and uh, at a time when Cavan weren't going that, that well, uh, although they, they were in the Ulster final in 83, but they weren't going that well. It was nice for, for Jim and Paddy in particular to get uh, an opportunity to showcase their skills at the highest level and they did and both played huge parts that day. Jim for the full game and Paddy coming on at a vital stage. It actually went extra time, the game. And uh, it was, uh, yeah, it was a memorable enough occasion. The Hurling was a disappointment, very disappointing, but a, a poor game. But uh, again, an opportunity for, for Cavan people to see the, the game. You know, yeah, it was Connacht, I think, and uh, Leinster were actually in the Hurling. Okay, yeah. It, it does show... The importance, I suppose, of Kingspan Breffney as it is now to the 
the, the local area to Cavan Town <coughs> and, and how big of an advantage it was down through the years to have. Ah, definitely, Damien. Um, there were, it was fortunate they were able to buy two fields so close to Cavan Town. Yeah. Because uh, people love a pitch near enough a town because the facilities are there. Yeah. Now, initially, obviously, the railway was huge for uh, attracting, you know, supporters. Yeah. To go to the games, we'll take the train uh, where, where it was on line. There was a line, yeah. you know. Now, uh, it had another advantage as well because so much fundraising had to take place over many years by county boards just to raise money. We have to realise there were no such thing as grants, leader, clar, mm. any of these programmes were non-existent at the time and capital sports grants and all this type of thing. Yeah. They were unheard of. Do you think that you'd get money from the, you know, from GA or from government? Uh, you know, in, in hard to believe at the time, but there was none. And uh, so it was all slog, raising clubs, uh, supporters yeah. and Cavan Town's people. They were relied on heavily. The publicans and the shopkeepers in Gavin Town were relied heavily on. Okay. They say that they still are. They still yeah, are. Yeah. And, uh, but the, the other good side to it was there was a, a, a good dividend for them then. Yeah. You know, I mean, and that's right up to the present day. If there's a, a big game in Cavan Town, well, you would hope that Cavan Town gets a, a spin-off and that the town's uh, in this, in the vicinity or in the hinterland, also get get a spin uh, off, and it works both ways. But I think that, and now especially with our hotels and cabin hospital, you know, there's a lot of facilities which facilitates uh, and and makes Breffney Park an attractive location for games, mm. um, and. We probably all often think we don't get a, enough of them, but we get as probably we get as many as we can. And of course, then down over the years, Damien, there were so many great champ finals clubs all play there so much underage, and so many great sterling games in in with club games over the years. You know, as, mm. as you know yourself, it's funny the the attendances <clears throat> on record they all seem to be at their highest when Cavan were at their best. Ah, that's true, and and look at uh, that's understandable. Mm. I mean, two or three reasons for that. Number one is the goodwill. Uh, you know, if Cav there's great will towards the GEA, yeah. and secondly, then the opportunity to see the men who who have been successful or playing at a at a high level, uh, just to see them in action. You know, and. Uh, Judge the forum and so on and so forth. Witness something special. If your if, if your county team is not going well, there's a negative effect, and people don't bother to stay at home to watch yeah. telly to do something else. But certainly, if your if your team is up there competing, and it's that's it's isn't it great to be looking forward to the games next year? I mean, the program of games in Feb, in Feb end of January February, they're attractive. Yeah. There's going to be big games in Breffney Park. And isn't that what we want? And uh, that'll certainly Donegal coming in the sixth game in the second game, uh, Mead coming. Yeah, you know they're attractive games. And unfortunately, so. we have to go away for what four of them. But you know, if we we're used to that, we're used to it, <laughs> and we're certainly used to it. And the first game anyway. And uh, hopefully that Cavan stays in the division and and. Cavan will have four next year at home but well that's it well hopefully know. they don't stay in the division hopefully they go up one. well hopefully they certainly <laughs> that'll be the aim I mean they, were, they went up the Ooh. last two twice they were in division two they, were, they went up so quickly yeah. enough so that's, that's it the, that's, that's the objective that's it. but the bottom line I suppose is to stay in it but uh, yeah. you're right and uh, you know the, the, with all due respects uh, the, the, the higher quality of team you're playing it's just understandable you're going to have uh, more support, more people there, and that's yeah. just a fact of life. You that's know. it. That's it. People want to go and see the best. They do, of course. They, they always do. want to go and they see mean, the best. Yeah. Well, it, it's it's an unbelievably well put together book. There's so many stories that 
as you said at the start, would never have been told, or I, I definitely never ever heard of, and <clears throat> we're so intrigued by. So I have to say, it's it's a, a brilliant, brilliant book for any GEA fan or even any historian, anybody around who just likes the the history of of a of a place because that's what it is, but a very significant place in Cavan because I think Breffney Park is is synonymous with with Cavan in general, and uh, and I don't think Cavan would be the same place without Breffney Park. So those. Those people who had the foresight to buy that land, it's 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 a fitting tribute to them, George. So congratulations on a well written book. Yeah. Um for everybody, it as I said, great stock and filler. So it's available for sale in Kingspan Breffney offices in the Candlelight Bookstore in Main Street in Cavan and in Ruddens Cost Cutters, Cairn Service Station in both Dublin Road and in the Balagna Road in Cavan Town, Ballyhays Post Office in Moore's Bar in Balagna, the Village Store in Crostoni, McShane's in Cornafane, as well as in Arvitz in Smith's and Lynch's and Today Extra in Kilachandra. It's in Donoghue Super Value in Bally. Connell, MJ's in Coot Hill, uh, Pat's shop in Kingscourt, and Fitzsimons is in Virginia. So you've no excuse not to be able to get it. Ah, that's true. And we so. have to remember the, the great uh, week there was in, in Kingspan Breffney there during the summer. And, uh, yeah. Where the board organised a lot of different activities to coincide with the actual centenary. And it was nice to mark it. It definitely was. It definitely was. And well marked. Thank you very much, George. And happy Christmas. Thank you, Damien. The best of luck. And thank you. Okay, that's everything we have time for on the McAvoy Super Value GA podcast for this week. My thanks to Aideen and to Neve, to Connor Brady, and of course to George Cartwright. Um, don't forget to get into the shops to pick up that book where possible. Head on over to the Diehards podcast over on patreon.com forward slash we are Cavan. Loads of content coming out in the in the coming weeks. We'll be doing our wacky awards as well. So we'll get some um feedback from yourselves on all of those over the next few days. But Paul, thanks for your time. Thanks, Demo.